Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. My name's Goose. My name's Gabby. And what are we talking about today, Gabby? <laughs> we talked about a whole bunch of stuff in this one, actually. We talked about largely like slowing down and speeding up at the same time. <laughs> that sounds Cryptic? about right. Mm. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. So we talked about how we talked about how the market is operating in two speeds, how buyers are operating in two speeds, mm-hmm. how to think about value adds and property selection in this kind of environment to maximize your returns, and how to really use this environment to your advantage, and how to avoid getting stuck in analysis paralysis, and also avoid succumbing to FOMO. So very useful short, impactful, valuable episode that I know that you're going to get a lot out of. Um, it's a little kind of a bite-sized one, I felt like this time, but it was a bite-sized full of goodness and nutrients. So without any further ado, should we get stuck right on in, Gabby? Let's do it. All right, guys. We'll see you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. You're with your pals. I know how you like that, Gabby, when I say that. I do, you, I do. You're with, you're with your pals. Pal, <laughs> we, are, we are your pals. Your pals. Gabby, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm a little tired, but I'm I'm good. I, for those mm. of you who are watching this, you might say I look a little bit unkempt. I'm unshaven, you know, <laughs> but um, I've got that kind of beach. I've got that beach bum vibe going on. That's what I'm trying to do. I, I figure if I don't shave and I get a little bit rough around the edges, it looks like I'm a holiday, so maybe I can kind of trick myself into feeling like I'm on holiday. Mm, so that's yeah. the strategy. That's my yeah. strategy. The no shave, no shoes, <laughs> board shorts. Let's go. Let's go. Well, we did. We did. We did manage to go away this weekend. Just gone. So maybe it's a hangover from Shell Bay. Mm, indeed. Mm. Indeed. <laughs> um, awesome. So what's what else has been happening? What's going on? What are we talking about today, Gabby? Like, there's so much happening at the moment. Um, So we really just want to dig into uh, uh, the current market is obviously very hot, right? And there's a lot happening, a lot moving quickly. Um, And really, we just wanted to kind of, it's a bit of a public service announcement in terms of helping people to actually slow down a little bit and to make sure that they're actually really Mm. considering their decisions in this market and not getting caught in the FOMO of just, I just got to get in and you know, there's all this competition, so I need to just kind of lower my standards and just accept anything because um, yeah. I see that people might get into a bit of trouble in doing that. So, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really funny. It's a really funny kind of market condition at the moment, isn't it? I was actually thinking mm. about this the other day. It's actually really bad for real estate agents, right? And most yeah. people are probably thinking, what do you mean bad for real estate agents? Houses are just selling so quick, but there's basically no stock on market, right? So, mm-hmm. so real estate agents are. Yes, it's very quick to sell a property, but they just can't actually get any properties to sell, right? So, um, yeah, so I think in some ways, I think it's probably a more challenging environment for them, but it's also a challenging environment for buyers. Um, But there's kind of like, I think there's a couple of, there's a couple of things that are driving that. We've sort of talked about a little bit before, but there's like stock availability and all of these kind of things that that are lending into that kind of speed and heat of the market. But but it's also not the same everywhere. uh, and also, well, I mean, it's not the same everywhere, but I would suggest it is still pretty tight everywhere. Um, I was just thinking through that as I was saying it. But also, one of the things I'm most excited about is the fact that the market's actually slowing down. Mm. I think that's awesome. And that's obviously, you know, if we think about that FOMO aspect that we're talking about, like that would help people, right? If, if things are starting to slow down, 
you can take a little bit more time and really think through, is this the right asset for me? Does it tick all the boxes? Does it fit the holy trinity? Yeah. Am I ready to go? Let's go. Yeah, Versus yeah, yeah. in the last, you know, six, 12 months, it's been just like smash and grab whatever you can get for people. Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty much, right? So, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting because like it sounds a little, it sounds a little contrarian, right? Because surely we want property prices to be booming, right? Mm -hmm. Surely we want property prices to be booming. But I don't know if that's actually true. Like I, I would prefer, um, strong, sustainable, long-term growth. And I mean, I've been saying for uh, probably 18 months now that I think we're at the start of a five-year boom, five to six-year boom. Mm -hmm. um, it was starting to look like that might not be true because the pri prices prices were going so fast. And if they go too fast, right, they spike and then they come down and the boom, it's a short, it's a short boom and it's, it's, ex it's exaggerated. Um, but there's a couple of good things about the market slowing down. So it makes it, it's going to elongate the performance of, of the boom over a longer period of time, which I think is a very, very good thing. I would much prefer, I would actually much prefer to have it be a little more sustainable for a longer period of time than to go really fast, um, yep. you know, too quickly. But also, um, it, you know, it normalizes the market. Uh, it allows for stock levels to rationalize. Uh, it also means that APRA doesn't have to try and put the brakes on property as much, um, which mm. means that less restrictions uh, will come in to borrowers and all of this kind of stuff. Like it'll just make it, it'll make sure that we can keep doing what we're doing for a long period of time. And look, to be quite honest as well, you know, fr from our perspective and what we do with all of our research, you know, we're spending a, tr a tremendous amount of money on, on research and data science and all of this kind of stuff to make sure we're targeting the right suburbs in the right place at the right time and all of that kind of stuff. But in a market where it feels like everything is just booming, it's kind of like it's hard, it's, it's harder for people to be able to see through that noise. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm excited actually for things to kind of normalize uh, a little bit more. So just, just quietly. So, so we look better because we're going to be standing out a little bit more. So, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think like with that, you know, right, right property right place right time thing as well yeah coming back to the like the right property yeah. a, a to meet your brief but then also like the part of your brief where is it the quality that you want and so if part of your brief is that you want to do some kind of value add some kind of mm. cosmetic reno some kind of subdivision something actually really digging into does this property is that property actually going to give me that Mm. And I think people, you know, in in the heat of the market, just kind of see a see a property and they go, "This is this is what I want," and it's in the right location, it's the right time. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and buy it, mm. and not really thinking about, okay, what is the work that might need to go into this? Is it suitable to my whole brief? Do I have the bandwidth to do this kind of work? Yeah. Um, and then the flip side, if your brief is that you want to do no works. And you actually, you know, you might find a property that on the, on on paper, on the listing online, in the photos, in the in the copy, on the ad, everything sounds amazing. You know, I might say recently renovated, like stunning mm. home, this kind of thing. Um, and then you people might kind of just take that as gospel and just think that that's 
you know, sweet, I found a winner. I don't want to do any work. And this one says it's recently renovated, so that's awesome. Yeah. And just kind of take that and then go and buy it. And then people are actually turning around with quite significant issues in properties at the moment because agents know that it's a seller's market, right? They know that mm. there's low stock availability, but also how quickly things are selling and how much mm. demand there is that they can kind of like hide some of the detail about maybe more of the bigger structural issues or, you know, yeah. people might do flips and they have not as good a quality in the actual renovation where they just kind of do a lick of paint and be like, hey, it's a brand new kitchen um, when the quality isn't there. So, mm. again, it's just kind of slowing down and thinking, think, actually thinking through and doing your proper due diligence, whether that's, you know, always get a burning and pest inspection. Make sure that you have qualified tradespeople going in and, and telling you, reporting back to you as the potential owner what is the quality of this asset that I'm about to buy? Are there any structural issues that I need to be aware of? Yeah. And to be clear, like structural issues are not, if there's a structural issue, it's not an immediate like no go. It's no. just so you have understanding of what is coming up in the future for me. Do I have, does that fit into my brief? Do I have the bandwidth and the resources to be able to deal with that versus not knowing that and I'm rolling into a property that has a lot of structural issues and then you're stuck with it because um, you didn't really take the time beforehand. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, you're right. You, you touched on a really good point there. Just because the property's got problems doesn't mean don't buy it. It just mm. means be aware so that you know how to factor that into the negotiation and all of that other kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah it's, an, it's, an, it's an interesting one, right? Because, um, you know, Going back to what you started saying at the start of that little uh, monologue around buying the right property in the right place at the right time, the right location. So the right suburb will probably do about eighty percent of the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. The right the right street level location will probably do about another ten percent of the lifting. Right. So you've got about ninety ninety percent of ninety percent of the value is going to come by getting the right property in the right place at the right time. Right. Mm -hmm. So. The value adding component starts to become a pretty small factor in it. Mm. Yeah. You know, it might even be, you know, maybe even the right street location might be fifteen percent, right? So it might only be about five percent comes out of the out of the real value add component, right? And that's really the secret source. And one of the things that I've learned since we started doing all of this is that, you know, if you can if you could just focus on getting the right property in the right place at the right time, you're gonna outperform most other people. And so Having a having a focus on value adds in this environment, I actually think can be a real uh, a real bum steer, right? Because you might end up looking mm. for properties where you can add value, right? So bearing in mind there's forty percent less stock on market, right? It's a complete, it's a very hot market, all of that kind of stuff. So you might end up seeking out the wrong thing, right? So in a quest to, for example, find something that you can subdivide, you might end up buying in an area which is going to get subpar overall growth performance or uh, in an area which may have lower tenant ability and all of these kind of things. So I think that people really just need to kind of get switched on to the fact that getting getting a, getting, getting a property in the right place, in the right, right street, right place, right time is, that's the secret, right? That's where it all happens. Value adding shouldn't be the thing that you look for the reason to go and buy a property it should be like the little kicker it should be the little sweetener it should be the after dinner mint right where you go <laughs> oh this property is awesome and i can't wait to be the owner of it and by the way in a few years time if i feel really juiced up and i want to go back to it and milk it a little bit further i can go back and i can do x right so 
thinking about that, that can actually help shape people's uh, opinions and decisions on how to approach this kind of stuff in this market. You know, like, you know, buying a property that's on a 700 square meter block, even if it even if it doesn't have any site access, actually, you know, depending on the local conditions and whether, you know, if there's minimum lot size and stuff, that could actually be a really great subdivision opportunity in five or 10 years. You could just knock down the whole house, build two townhouses, off you go, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, so people have got to get a little bit more um, elastic in the way that they're thinking about all of this kind of stuff, I think, which kind of then goes back into what you're saying. So let's say you find a property and then absolutely don't get caught up in FOMO and absolutely make sure that you're getting the right inspections done and doing all the right stuff and everything like that. But then if you uncover something, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, like it, may, it actually could be a hidden way for you to add value, right? Or it could be an opportunity for you to get, a, for you to get, the, to get the right place right time and then also get it for the right price right so you might be able to let's say you let's say you find a property and it's like oh my god it's got roof issues or something well cool rather than saying it's got roof issues let's walk away maybe say well how much will it cost to get a new roof let's say it's 20 grand or something like that maybe you can negotiate twenty thousand dollars off or maybe you can actually negotiate for them to replace the roof before you even buy the property or maybe you can actually negotiate thirty thousand dollars off for the hassle you know so there's an opportunity there's always an opportunity in every uh in every adversity so yeah i think it's it's a it's a double-edged sword right so on the one hand you don't want to be caught in fomo but on the other hand you, there's also 40 percent less stock on market so the opportunities that you do look at you need to be able to look at them critically and understand them and then understand how to use that to your advantage, even if it isn't necessarily the perfect property as well. Yeah, I think the the value adds angle is a really funny one for us, right? Because we've, you know, the holy trinity is what we search for and, and buy for yeah. our clients. And so it's kind of a... What's the phrase I want? It's like it's kind of put us in a little bit of a corner where everyone wants a value add, right? Ideally, everyone would have a value add because everyone's got that lever that they can pull. But in this current environment, this is the kind of environment where people have actually already pulled their levers. Like if they've got value adds in their properties and they want to sell, Mm. it's kind of in a peak market where they may have already exercised that. So whether that's a reno, like you see, you do see properties coming on which are more recently renovated because they can capitalize on selling that now. And so in a lot of ways, buying a property in this current market and getting in the right asset at the right location at the right time, Mm. you know, just getting kind of a foundational property is a win in itself Mm. without the value add. Like, sure, it'd be amazing to have the little extra value add, like you said, to have that little afterspeed. But in the current market, it might not actually be realistic. And it's like, if you're purely, if, if your whole strategy is around value adds, sure, like you can hold out on that. And if your whole strategy is around value adds, probably the wrong strategy, that's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> sure, but um, you know, if you, if you just kind of want it as a little bit of a side, like in the back of your head, you're like, oh, I'd love to be able to subdivide it one day which I think people, you know, I think people in Australia as well grow up with like they just want a, some kind of sizable land, you know. Land yeah, yeah, yeah. Value, which so makes sense, right? You know, the money is made in the land and all of that kind of stuff to a degree, right? So, Yeah, but I think um, if your specific strategy for the very next purchase does not involve a cosmetic renter or a 
subdivision or a strata subdivision or something and you come across a property that is really mm. strong in the foundations like that is an amazing find in this market as it is mm. yeah 100 percent. so um it's probably worth anchoring this a little bit right because this isn't just kind of theory right so um most people will be familiar with the fact most people listening to this podcast will be familiar with the fact that for a long time we haven't actually been able to buy any properties because we haven't been able to get financed so i'm really stoked to say that that has now changed and we are <laughs> on the hunt we're we're, we're going Woo-hoo. out right Woo! um <laughs> and so what's probably interesting is like well what are we doing like how are we approaching this right mm-hmm. um so and and to be quite transparent, we're just looking for basically foundation level properties. And the reason for that is because we understand, we understand that, you know, 90, as I said, 90 to 95% of the heavy lifting is going to be done by getting the, getting the right property, right street, uh, right suburb, right location, right price. Um, and we're completely flexible on the value adds, right? So it's like, oh, if we get, get it under market value, that'd be awesome. Does it need a cosmetic renovation? Okay, cool. We can do that. Maybe it's a cosmetic renovation in five years' time. You know, that's also a thing as well. Um, oh, it could be subdivided. Awesome. Sounds good, right? So it's about being flexible and, and malleable, I think, with that kind of stuff. And the other thing as well, when thinking about think when thinking about value adds, it's not always about going and swinging a hammer and trying to add value today. It's about what could be done in the future because as I kind of alluded to, if, if value adding is the center of your strategy, it's probably the wrong strategy right? Because you can end up going, you can end up finding properties which will allow you to do the value adding, but which may actually compromise in other much more powerful fundamental aspects of, of property selection. Mm. And so when you're looking at something, you know, if, if we actually go back to first principles, like how do we, how do we come across this, right? So you and I bought the wrong property in the wrong place at the wrong time, lost a bunch of money. Simple, right? Mm-hmm. We worked out that if we were to not do that again, what characteristics would the property need to have? Well, we'd want it to go up in value really quickly, not down. Great growth. We'd want it to produce more income than it was going to use. Great positive cash flow because we basically bought a negatively geared apartment, right, off the off the plan, right, which was dumb. Right? <laughs> We've since sold it, and that was good. Um, and the third element was that we wanted to be able to control or add value in some way, like some way that you could go and change the economic profile of the property if you got it wrong, right? It, it wasn't about going and going, let's find things and flip them. It was like, okay, if we can identify an area of good growth, great. And if you can get it with a decent yield, awesome. But what if we're wrong? Like, what if we get it wrong? Okay, well, if we get it wrong, then what are we going to be able to, do to add value to it? So buying something that is in great condition but maybe it's a little dated maybe a little maybe it looks like it's maybe it's got a, like a 70s style kitchen in it which could be an immaculate condition right people love look, 70s style kitchens these I know, days so back in I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 big i'm big on it i'm big on it um, brown just all brown and orange yeah i love brown um <laughs> but but you get my point though like it can be in yep. it can be in great condition but just be dated and yep. That can still be an opportunity. If you can just rent it out straight away, wahoo, fantastic. You don't even need to do anything. But then in say 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, whatever, you could then go back and just give it a little bit of a spruce, new paint, maybe stick a new kitchen in there, all of that kind of stuff, and then add value then. The added bonus of doing that in that way, right, means that when you're buying a property and let's say let's say the value add is cosmetic renovation, right, it, it it doesn't mean buy it and do a bunch of work. It could be buy it, tenant it, and then in 12 months' time, you can use the cash flow that you've generated 
and also some of the growth that you've received to then fund the value add so the property can pay for its own value add. That's the magic that we're looking for, right? So it's not all about just finding things and trying to get stuck into it. And I think kind of the, circling back to where we kind of started started this, right? It's, it's, it's about this market is really about getting crystal clear on what your objectives are and then being able to look at each situation look at all of the moving parts and all of the pieces on the chessboard and know how you're going to make the move right because i think i think that there's two there's two types of there's two types of buyers in the current market there's the buyers whose standards are way too high right and they're like nope mm -hmm. must be must be 9% yield must you know be in brand new condition and must also be subdividable or it's no good right there's people like that in the current in the current environment and their standards just aren't, you, you know, there's a great quote, and I can't remember who it's by, but um, when it's just, it's something, I'm going to butcher it, but it's something like when the facts change, uh, when the facts, when the facts change, so does my opinion, or, or when the facts change, I change my mind, what do you do or something like that? And it's kind of like in, a, in an environment that is changing, those people who aren't able to then adjust and adapt are the ones that are going to get left behind because they're going to be looking for things that don't exist. Mm. Right, or they'll make, or they'll end up making bad choices based on uh, the wrong metrics. So that's one type of buyer, and you've also got the other type of buyer who has just got so much FOMO that they're like, "I'll buy anything, and I don't care," you know. And they're not, they're not prepared to do enough due diligence. Now, due diligence doesn't just mean getting building a pest inspection and a pre-purchase inspection. It's also like, do you understand the public housing percentages in the street? What's the percentage of owner occupiers versus renters? What kind of growth drivers are there? How long are those growth drivers going to be there? What, what's the migration pattern? What's all of these kind of things that like lend into, is this a good decision or not? Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I've yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it it's a good point about the street level, because I think, you know, a lot of this podcast, we talk about the, location specifically so like mm. identifying the right locations and you know all the drivers that go into you know quote hot spots kind of those areas or emerging markets mm. as well um and people kind of might just then go all right i found a suburb that i think is going to grow and this mm. is my suburb and then just kind of plug that into realestate.com and then anything that comes up in that in that suburb that comes available they're like that one you know in my price range you know kind of ticks my boxes that one and we'll kind of just skip over the the street you know they'll just mm. think it's in the suburb i want it's in my price range let's go for it um yeah. whereas the street level side of things has a massive impact on the the growth potential of it you know as you said like what is the quality of the street in terms of the the amount of renters versus owner occupiers because if there's more owner occupiers you're going to have a better kept area and it's going to grow better and be more appealing into yep. the future and so yeah i think that the street level side of things as well you're right in part of the due diligence for people is really important particularly in this yeah, market totally. you know, people rushing in and just going i'll just buy that one totally yeah most people don't get it right because they don't they just think what hang on right suburb but the easy mm. way to think about it is um let's use bondi because we're in bondi right are we in bondi we're in bondi in case <laughs> who, you know, who we're but um <laughs> like a, a house that is right next to the ocean, right, is going to yep. be a three-bedroom house that is right next to the ocean, overlooking the beach, is going to be worth hell of a lot more than one Mega that's bucks. way up in one, yeah, one in one way up in the back streets 
and on the side of a hill and you know south facing and all of all of these other kind of things and it could have the same postcode right yeah. so understanding that it's not like that's a very simple way to kind of break it down right now not every suburbs have beaches and whatever but the point <laughs> remains the same you know you've got all these you've got all these various aspects like public housing um you've got uh proximity to the, to the point of greatest utility you've got um convenience so is there public transport walkable shops is there all of these kind of things that kind of go into finding is this you've even mm-hmm. got other things as well like what's the proximity to a um a power transfer station right so a lot of people don't even look at that right so we look we look at it if it's within 200 meters of a power transfer station it's like pretty much gets vetoed you know so mm-hmm. there's all lifestyle, of these other lifestyle factors i've always had a theory that the 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 areas in the streets with bigger trees are better growth. <laughs> you better also had a theory, process. though, Gabby, that that I've got some choose... good theories. Yeah, yeah. And what was it? What was the what was the Commodore theory of growth? Oh, the Commodore one. Basically, yeah. just when there's heaps of Commodores on the front lawn, holding Commodores, like that's <laughs> that, that area is going to gentrify in a couple of years. It's prime for growth. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the other one was, the other one was laundromats, swanky What's laundromats. You know when you get the, the swanky laundromats and they've got like coffee or they've got neon lights that are like cool neon lights but not yeah lame yeah anyway <laughs> okay so okay so so if there's lots of trees and also lots of commodores on the lawn and also nice laundromats it's a winner you're on <laughs> <laughs> I think the commodores come before the laundromats they do they do okay got it got it. <laughs> nice. Nothing wrong with Commodores, guys. But you know, if you a little secret tip though, if you're cruising around, that's actually how we do it. We say we do all this research, but all we do is cruise around on Google Maps looking for Commodores on front lawns. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we do it. That's how yeah. we do it. We've got AI to just identify all the Commodores, and we just go there. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, what's your what's what's your takeaway out of this so far, Gabby? S- slow down, <laughs> which is slow hard. Slow down and it's speed hard. up. <laughs> At the same time, mm. that sounds right. That sounds like your kind of advice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, just, it's really hard. It's really hard because particularly, you know, you guys listening to this podcast is you want to, you want to get involved. You want to get amongst it. You want to start buying properties or keep buying properties or, um, you know, and we're not discouraging that. Like maintain your activity, maintain your interest, keep going for 100%. your goals. It's just about just, making sure you're doing the right dd before you just jump into something totally and just just on that point as well like i don't think people should be sitting on their hands either like just because it's tough just because it's a tougher market doesn't mean you should sit around and do nothing right i said i saw recently in some media like oh property prices are gonna fall that's nonsense right it's absolute nonsense right and if you just just quietly, Martin North, if you're listening, right? So it's Martin North who has the <laughs> propensity to um, to digital finance analytics, to propensity to have all these kind of um, doom stories, uh, and then that gets proliferated through the media. But then people, people, yeah, look, the research that Martin North does is great, right? It just tends to have a negative spin, is what I've found, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, it, so that gets proliferated through the media, and then all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of headlines saying saying things like oh house prices are going to fall it's absolute it's absolute nonsense guess what house prices are falling right now in some places mm. house prices are going down really really fast in some places and house prices are going up really really fast in some places and that's going to be the same next week next month next year next decade nothing is the same right 
So the point that I'm making though is is don't sit on your hands waiting for some like, oh, if the market slows down over the next six months, maybe I'll get in then because it'll be a little easier. You know, it's it's operating in these kind of environments, which is which is what gives people a competitive advantage, I think, right? Uh, and there's more to be gained by uh, increasing your tenacity and increasing your resilience than there is by um, than there is by you know sitting around and waiting for a perfect environment to buy the perfect property you know and not taking any action at all. So, hundred percent. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, I think that's yeah, I think we've covered some good ground today, Gabby. Yeah, I think so. Awesome. All right, guys. Cool. Well, we'll leave, we'll wrap it up there. I hope you found this valuable. It ended up being just a, a wide-ranging conversation, but I thought it was a good one. Hope you got mm-hmm. some value out of it too and can't wait to see you on the next episode. Bye for now. Bye.